many of the trends we're seeing emerge from COVID and which I think will continue to merge were trends that had started anyway, that started and COVID has pushed them along, developed them. The other thing I think to say right up front will be that there are things that I and just about anybody else who commentates on this stuff and who tries to look at the future that we will miss. We won't see it. There will be things when they write the history of this in five years' time, they say this started happening because of COVID um, and um, they won't be on my list of, uh, uh, of things um, uh, today. I really am um, um, starting to, um, I really am peering into my crystal ball today. Um, uh, I used to be able to say I don't have a, a crystal ball and then somebody took that excuse away from me by buying me one. Um, I tend to find that crystal balls don't have terribly good um, batteries or they seem to run low on batteries or something goes wrong with it, maybe the, um, the operator rather than the, uh, the machine. But I am gazing into the future. To do that, I have looked at the crystal ball but I've looked at many sources as well, many, many sources, and I, I read very widely. I pick up research from all over the place. But I think one of the person I should give a shout out to would be a man called Kevin Stirrup. Now, Kevin is the um, Director of Investment Strategy at Forsyth Bar, somebody I talk to quite often, and I read a lot of what he uh, produces. Um, Kevin, I think, has the perfect job. He reads very widely. He thinks, and then he writes pieces about what he thinks about um, what he's read and what he's thought. Uh, and I think that's uh, an absolutely superb job. He's very good at um, uh, at uh, what he what he does. So we really are looking at the uh, future today. But before I uh, go any further, I just need to do a couple of disclosures. First of all, I'm an authorised financial advisor. What I'm talking about today doesn't constitute personalised advice. It's class advice, it's general advice. And that means that it may be suitable for some people um, tuned in today and not for others. And also I need to tell you that my disclosure statement's available free of charge on request uh, or at my website, which is www.martinhawes.com. Uh, some other disclosures. Um, first of all, I'm a board member, uh, fairly newly appointed of the, uh, the New Zealand Shareholders Association. I chair the Summer KiwiSaver Investment Committee. Uh, Summer KiwiSaver is Forsyth Bar's KiwiSaver offer. Um, Forsyth Bar manages Summer KiwiSaver uh, and a product disclosure statement uh, is available uh, um, on request. Also, I'm a director and a small shareholder of Lifetime Income. Lifetime Income um, provides people with variable annuities. A variable annuity is something where you put a um, in, in your 60s, when you start to retire, you put a lump sum of capital in and you get a, a fortnightly or a monthly payment back for the rest of um, your life. So I am a director of that company. I'm a small shareholder, but I also hold an annuity um, myself. So I'm trying to uh, eat my own cooking in that respect. I'm giving you um, my view today of what I what I think is um, is happening. But of course, there are always two sides 
to every investment and every story. To have a market, you've got to have two sides. You've got to have both a buyer and a seller. In uh, an investment, we talk about bulls and bears. Bulls are the um, optimists, they're the buyers. The easy way to remember it is that they are trying to toss the market up with their horns. The bears, on the other hand, are the pessimists. They believe the market's going to go down and they're going to they, um, uh, try to, um, uh, to uh, claw it uh, down. At the moment, I find myself a bear. I've watched the markets go up really strongly in the last two or three weeks, uh, especially led out of the um, out of the US. And it's like COVID didn't exist. It's like the markets have said a month ago, five weeks ago, uh, we saw the bottom. The markets fell by a total of 38% when um, uh, when COVID. Um, first absolutely burst onto the scene. Um, markets fell a great deal and then they bounced and they've come back up so that many markets are only 10 to 15% below their peak. So they've recovered a lot of that lost ground. Now, I think that there are likely to be more waves of selling uh, come onto the market. So I think, you know, we have to be ready for more downside. But when I look at any market, when I look at any investment that I'm thinking of buying, I try to look at it from both sides. I look at it from my side, I'm, and I'm I'm bearish, I'm, I'm negative on, on the market at the moment. But I say, so what is the thesis? What are the, what are the bulls saying? Why are the bulls buying? Because you know, not not all of them can be stupid. They've got their they've got their reasons, just like I've got um, my reasons. And the big thing about the bulls at the moment, particularly out of the United States, is that they seem to be very dependent on some kind of COVID nineteen treatment, not a cure perhaps, but one of the drugs, whether it was the Ebola drug or a drug for arthritis. Um, being having some efficacy in treating uh, COVID because what the bulls are saying is that uh, if a treatment burst on the market and maybe in May um, or June, then everybody could go back to work secure in the knowledge that there was a treatment in behind which would, uh, if not completely curable, would um, uh, would uh, uh, certainly certainly help them. So I'm bearish largely because I've had the history of three previous major crashes. And I've shown this slide, I think, on every seminar that I've done. For those of you who are uh, repeats, um, who have come back, um, you're going to get a look at this again. I'm showing it again because so many people have contacted me and in one way or another and said that um, uh, they found this very interesting. It's a graph of what happened to markets uh, in the 2008-2009 uh, GFC. And, you know, the market obviously fell. If you look at, at the figure one and the circuit there, circle there, it bounced, it fell a bit and then it bounced and it went back up. Now, when a market bounces and goes back up, that means because buyers have, fled, have flooded into the market and they've been buying, it's pushed the, um, they've been bullish, it's pushed the market back up. 
But then as time has gone on, there have been further falls and two, three, four, and five show um, falls and bounces. So if you like, each one of those bounces at numbers one, two, three, four, and five were false storms. At each point, there were people flooding into the market saying, um, saying um, we think that this is all over, we think it's better, it's time to buy. Um, they were disappointed. I personally think um, that the, um, the idea of a treatment um, is very attractive, but I think there's a lot of water to flow under, the, there might be a lot of water to flow under the bridge to get that treatment, uh, and that a lot has to go right for the um, for the Bull's thesis to be uh, to be completely valid, and looking at history, I see that there are a lot of false storms in any major um, um, market. So, moving on to what are some of the major trends, I want to have a have a look first of all at some of the changes that I'm seeing in social mores and the way we work. Then move on to some economics things and finally go into some industries that I think will be negatively affected and some which I think will be um, positively affected. So if you look at some of the social mores and, and trends in the way we work, the first one is um, the idea of distance, the social distancing thing. Trying to keep a little bit of a space between um, between me and the next, next person. I think that idea will stay. I, I don't think it will stay forever, but I don't think it's going to go away as soon as the virus goes away. Um, I think we're like it's likely to be some time before we uh, give a kiss on the on the a peck on the cheek or or shake hands and that and that sort of thing. Even now, I find myself when I look at old movies and I see people getting um, together, I think don't they know there's a virus around? Um, and I think that that's going to stick with us for a good while and there will be some people who will think that um, we've had this pandemic when it's all over um, and that there could be other viruses sitting out there waiting. So that's the, um, that's the first one. Sorry to interrupt. If you enjoy this content, make sure you subscribe so you do not miss the next one and hit this like button to let me know that you want more information like this. Thank you. The second one is, I think, I think this whole flight shame uh, thing will become bigger, uh, and that we will travel less. Now, for somebody like me who, at one stage, was um, in one of those aeroplanes pretty much every week, going off somewhere, whether I was going to a seminar or see a client or go to a board meeting. Um, the idea of doing things on Zoom or Microsoft Teams or any number of the other ones is actually very attractive. You know, I don't really want to spend my time flying around the, the uh, country. I do think we will travel less. I think that the uh, idea of video conference and conferencing um, is uh, becoming ingrained, and that for somebody like me is uh, quite attractive. It's not attractive, uh, so so attractive uh, for leisure. Um, I was expecting to go to uh, Europe at some stage this year uh, to go climbing, um, and uh, I'm clearly not going to be doing that this year. So the idea of actually going there maybe next year. Uh, is uh, very attractive. So that that's going to stay. The third thing that's um, I, I think going to happen is that businesses' supply lines 
will be diversified. So I think that a lot of businesses have been found out that they were making components, parts of their product offshore or in a different place and, and only at one place. And when the virus struck and that particular factory closed down, that meant they couldn't make their product. So somebody making a product and they need some little ball bearing that goes in their pump or, or into their aircraft or, or whatever that they're making. The uh, not being able to source that means that um, uh, they can't actually make their make their make and sell their product. And I think that um, <clears throat> it was a trend anyway. People were starting to diversify their um, their supply lines, particularly when the US and China started um, uh, fighting last year. Um, and that's going to accelerate that um, particular trend. I think the really obvious trend uh, is working from home, and I'm, I'm really interested in this, and I'm really interested in, in talking to people about how they, um, how they find it. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, I've, for the last 20 years, I've worked from home, so in a lot of ways, um, the lockdown hasn't felt an awful lot of difference to me. I've missed the socialising and I've missed the family and so on, but work has been um, largely pretty much the same. Now, you can see that this lady in the photograph here is, um, is very well set up and a very nice home and so on. There are people who are not as well set up and don't have quite an environment like that. But I do think a lot of people will want to to miss their daily, to skip their daily commute for at least a day or two or three a week and um, and not go into the office every day. I, uh, I speak to one person quite regularly who's working from home for her first time and I keep saying to her, are you as productive as you used to be? And she, she keeps saying a resounding yes and she, keep, she wants to carry on doing it. I mentioned it to somebody else um, uh, who uh, manages a, a, a firm, a financial, a financial firm uh, of about, with about, a, I think, a dozen staff members. And he said to me, I was going to say I met with him. I, I didn't meet with him. I talked to him on the phone. But it felt like I, I, um, I met with him. But he said to me, you know, I said to him, how are, you, how are you finding working from home and managing the business working from home? And he said, it's funny you should ask that because a couple of hours ago we had a recession and we couldn't work out why we would ever want to have an office again. Now that's got quite big uh, ramifications for um, various people for the future. The other, the fifth one, is a, a little bit of an aside, really, but at the um, uh, just because I'm I'm always curious uh, about what's going on, is that I think the dress code might change. I wouldn't like to be um, a retail retailer selling so-called business clothes, you know, suits and and the likes, because um, although I don't think we'll slop off to the office and um, uh, track pants and a t-shirt uh, anymore. I think it will accelerate the trend of a more relaxed uh, um, uh, dress code. I'm very mindful of it. You might remember the um, the firm called Men's Menswear. That closed down last year <clears throat> and somebody, a commentator or maybe somebody from Munns, I don't, don't recall, said that they used to sell a lot of men's suits 
um, and gradually men's suits became less and less popular. They sold less and less of them and therefore their uh, turnover came down because you need to sell a lot of t-shirts to make up for one, um, for one suit. So those social mores are a little bit of a background as to uh, the changes um, there that I think are, are going to happen. The other lot of trends to look at are economic. And the first one to talk about there is interest rates. And I think interest rates will stay lower for even longer. Or maybe I should have said even lower for even, even uh, longer. Um, you know, we've had falling interest rates for some years, uh, and that's that's been a global occurrence. It's been mostly since the um, uh, since the GFC a, a, a decade ago, um, and in this country at least, interest rates can still fall uh, quite a, a lot further. People have been um, talking to me and saying, but you know, all this printing of money and so forth won't we get high inflation with that? And the obvious answer is that we may not. There was a lot of um, quantitative easing, QE, or printing of money uh, back in the GFC, and that never caused inflation at all. You really get inflation when you get um, too little supply for, um, for the amount of uh, money available and, and for demand. So I don't think inflation is the big worry right at, right at the moment. I think deflation is the worry. Deflation is falling prices. So prices actually going down and, and, instead of increasing. And Japan has been caught in that for nigh on 30 years. And it's something that's very hard to get rid of. You can get rid of infl inflation by simply keeping on putting up interest rates and eventually you dampen down demand. But deflation, the problem with that is that consumers recognize that prices are going to be cheaper next year and the year after that and the year after that. So they hold off buying and you get in a, a, a kind of a downward spiral of con consumption. And Japan really for 30 years has, has tried to get out of it, out of that spiral, but, but hasn't. So I think lower interest rates, lower interest rates will be kept low while, um, while economies, um, while we're in recession and while, while, while economies are, um, are uh, a fragile. The second one is um, um, I think we will have less immigration in this country. We're certainly going to have less in the short term because it's pretty hard for uh, people to immigrate now. I don't know what's going on in immigration right at the moment, but I suspect it's not, um, it's not terribly much. We may have a lot more demand at some point in the future because we may look pretty good as a country in the way that we've handled this um, uh, this virus. So we may have demand for it. But what I do think is likely to happen is a fair bit of political agitation uh, from um, uh, political parties saying, we need to protect jobs for New Zealanders and therefore keep um, immigrants, immigrants out. So I think we're going to have um, uh, lower Im immigration. Third thing to talk about is diversification of supply lines, and I've already touched on that before. Under, um, but there will be a desire, there is a desire to bring home some manufacturing um, that could spell a decline in globalization. Um, uh, it could also 
see a decline in China. China's been resurgent, and that's because of uh, globalization. It's been resurgent really over the last 30 odd years. There is a major fight brewing um, between the, U the US and, and China. And um, I think that might be fought over, um, over, over supply lines and what is, uh, is manufactured where. Fourth to talk about is uh, depleted savings. So there are a lot of people in this country, a lot of people around the world who are digging into their savings right now, digging into their, their um, emergency money and therefore uh, depleting savings. And that is families, but it's not only families, it's, uh, it's corporate corporates as well. And of course, when that money is gone, uh, people will spend less. And they'll spend less, because A, because they don't have the money, and B, because um, there is now a very strong idea that you do need some emergency savings uh, in behind you. I heard a figure uh, the other day, and I haven't been able to um, uh, authenticate it, but that in the US, richest country in the world, in the US, 50% uh, of people have $1,000 or less of emergency savings. Now, most financial advisors would tell you that you need three to six months of emergency savings um, uh, sitting there. And uh, simply most people don't have, have that, but the reality of how good such emergency money is has um, will have uh, really hit home. The um, the last uh, economic trend to talk of, to talk about is of course um, uh, tourism. New Zealand's biggest uh, industry, two hundred thirty thousand people work for it, um, uh, work, work in it. It's our biggest foreign exchange earner at um, seventeen billion dollars, um, um, and it's pretty much stopped. Um, and uh, you know, I I lived in Queenstown for the last twenty years. I've, I've very recently moved from Queenstown to Christchurch, but um, uh, there's certainly um, uh, certainly Queenstown's in a, in a, a lot of trouble, um, and um, that that may carry on for some time. Although. I don't think it'll be too far away before um, you know some. Uh, it's probably months away, maybe, but but uh, not not years. Too far away before we can travel locally, and a lot of Kiwis will want to go to Queenstown because it's a good place to go to. Um, uh, I think it might be a long time before um, some years before. Uh, people in say the US or the UK or Europe or China um, uh, agree to um, uh, to um, to jump on a plane and um, and come to New Zealand as a, a, a tourist. I do hope tourism changes as it as it uh, come, comes back. I hope we can go for the really valuable part of the uh, the market and have uh, fewer t tourists um, having a better experience. You know, some of, I think, the tourist uh, experience um, uh, leading up to this wasn't, uh, wasn't ter terribly good. So, um, moving on to uh, some um, other, uh, other uh, industries that are negatively and positively affected. First of all, uh, let's get the negative ones um, out, out of the way. Um, the first one of those is retail. 
Um, and I think uh, a, a shop, a retail shop, which uh, doesn't have either a very good local client base or doesn't have a very good online offer uh, will be in a fair bit of trouble. The other thing that um, that is likely to happen out of this, a lot of manufacturers and wholesalers can very easily uh, use the, their website, um, uh, use the internet um, to sell direct, so to bypass um, uh, re re retailers. Um, I think that uh, in retail there will be a, a very high, um, high failure rate, um, uh, particularly in some areas, which really takes me neatly to the second uh, thing that I had, uh, and that was one of those areas could be uh, clothing. I talked before about the dress check. Um, dress code uh, changing a bit, but also you know some some um, clothing retailers will miss the season. So it may be that um, clothing retailers in New Zealand don't have a terribly good winter season. They might get open uh, open soon enough, um, um, but um, um, they they may not either. And of course. Um, they've probably had their deliveries of in New Zealand their winter clothing. Uh, in, in the other hemisphere, uh, they've already had their, their summer clothing. And one of the ones, the uh, Economist did an article on, um, uh, just I think it's the latest Economist, was about Zara um, and the company that owns Zara and several other other brands and the um, the difficulties that um, they're going to have. And of course, you layer layer on top of that this whole work from home thing where the same pair of track pants and t-shirt or shorts and t-shirt um, can um, last for a long time. Uh, thirdly, um, third one, of course, is the one I've already touched on. That's a, um, a queue of people outside the gondola in uh, Queenstown. And I think it's going to be a fairly long time before we see a, um, uh, a, a queue like 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 that, and I've already um, I've really talked uh, about that a bit. I don't think we should underestimate this whole idea of flight shaming either. And um, um, you know, Europeans have have been mentioning that, and uh, people from the UK, less I think from the United States, less from Asia, but but certainly in Europe and the UK have been um, talking about this, uh, not taking flights because of the impact of, um, of global warming, warming. And of course, we've got the media, which is quite a difficult one to, um, to ju judge. It may be okay um, if there's a big online offer, although, although I note that our dominant news media service online and, and possibly dominant period, in New Zealand, which is staff is, um, is is basically asking for help because their advertising has dried up. Now that will probably come back to some extent fairly quickly, but it may not come back completely because people who uh, haven't advertised when they start to advertise again will have a look at their advertising budget and may put a lot more with the likes of Facebook and, um, uh, and, and Google. So a fair bit of that uh, advertising may not come back. When you look outside of New Zealand, um, many newspapers are not bought so much on subscription as they are in New Zealand. You know, most of us who buy a daily newspaper get it uh, delivered to us. If you go to a major city, if you go to a London or a New York or a Los Angeles and so forth, you, as you're walking down the street, you, you drop a few coins or 
or, or you buy a newspaper from a, a, new, a newsstand. And of course, right at the moment, that's not happening at all. People in New Zealand who get the newspaper, their subscription, their subscription is still working and uh, they're still getting it delivered. And the final one of, of negative, um, uh, of, of negative uh, businesses is, of course, um, or, or industries is, of course, oil. Uh, and there's a major glut on the market as we've had a fight between um, between Russia and, and Saudi Arabia, uh, with the Americans coming in there with their frack as as as, uh, as as well. And it's at the point now where, given the amount of production, there's just nowhere to store the stuff. And of course, we're not using it. Um, I personally haven't used my car in four weeks. I've had somebody who's very kindly delivered the groceries to me. So I haven't actually been out other than for a walk or a bike ride uh, in four weeks. So I can't remember how much petrol is, is in the car, but it should be exactly the same um, uh, that was there uh, four weeks because I've not bought any um, for a month. But of course, like anything, um, any major crisis, there are, there are losers, but there are winners as well. And, um, you know, I've got five of those and this is probably where um, i probably will miss some that there'll be some um uh industries that um that, that do very well and i will only see it in hindsight but the first one is automation and i think <clears throat> automation and robotics are, are probably going to be the big one from a global point of view if you go i'm told i've never been to a car factory but i'm told if you go to a car factory you look up and down the line and and to the sides and so forth and you don't see a human being all the welding um all the um, um uh, bolting of parts on and, and um large parts of that are now um, are now automated and uh, done by uh, uh, so-called so uh, robots. You know, supply supply chain. Um, when when people look at their supply chain and see them vulnerable, there will be a move to try to bring them home. Now, if you think of United States as home, and I don't, I think of New Zealand as home. It's not a lot of manufacturing here, but if if you look at um, if you were living in the United States and you were thinking about bringing um, uh, manufacturing home, you'd say, ah, but it's going to be too expensive. You know, we'd be better to get it made in Vietnam or um, or China or, or somewhere where there's um, uh, where there's um, scale and um, and cheaper wages. But of course, if you if you bring it home, if you bring uh, manufacturing home, and you automate that then your labour costs are, um, uh, are virtu virtually nothing. Uh, and um, within warehousing, for example, a lot of warehousing is already done um, by robots and, uh, and automatically. And um, uh, that will uh, simply accelerate. The other, the other part of this uh, automation uh, coin, the other side of it, I suppose, is that um, you don't have to worry about distancing when the person or the thing working beside you is a machine. So there's no worry about a vulnerable uh, vulnerable work, work, workforce. So, you know, I've got um, investments personally targeted at this, uh, at this area. Smart shares do a, um, uh, do a managed fund based on automation and, uh, and robotics. It's very expensive. It's got a very high fee. 
Um, but I think this will be a major area uh, going forward. The second one is the obvious one, which is video conferencing. And I'm told, I've never actually looked at it, but I'm told that Zoom's share price has uh, gone through the roof. And somebody told me yesterday that it's, uh, a share broker told me yesterday that it's so expensive they wouldn't look at it anymore. Um, got to be very careful with this. You know, Zoom is the name on everybody's lips, but there are other players. And the really big player is actually Microsoft. And Microsoft do a, a Zoom-like product, which people tell me is better. I can't judge that, but, uh, and they call it Microsoft Teams. Um, and uh, I read an article the other day about Microsoft being uh, ready to eat Zoom's lunch. So um, you have to be very careful about what, um, uh, what part you do uh, buy it. The third one, of course, is telecom, uh, telecoms, um, and they're already a winner in this. The likes of, of course, a Spark, a Vodafone, uh, and I'm sure if you go wider afield, if you go internationally, um, uh, you'd find um, uh, the same overseas. Fourthly, and similarly, uh, healthcare, uh, and of course, not all healthcare has, has been a winner in this. Um, you know, you can't, um, people haven't pra practiced dentistry. Uh, in, um, in the last month, not in, in New Zealand anyway, except for emergencies, obviously. And I know medical specialists and surgeons who have been sitting at home, uh, basically uh, um, uh, not not working because uh, they've not been allowed to, uh, not been able to operate. But there are companies, um, obviously, um, that uh, are doing very well out of this. Uh, one of them is Gilead, which is an American pharmaceutical company and which is probably closest to uh, coming up with a possible, and I'd underline that word possible, um, with a possible um, treatment for for COVID, and various others have um, uh, various other medical um, uh, and healthcare companies have, have done well out of this. The um, the final one, or the penultimate one, not quite final, one more after this, uh, is infrastructure. And I do think there will be a lot of opportunities in infrastructure. Um, uh, New Zealand needs a lot of infrastructure. We've got an infrastructure deficit. The United States is the same. Um, I'm not sure, certainly in parts of Europe, I'm not so sure in, in the UK, but probably the same. And yet government coffers are pretty much bare, uh, trying to keep the place together, spending money to uh, um, uh, support um, uh, wage and salary earners and, and small businesses and large businesses and uh, no doubt um, uh, pumping more money at some point into uh, into New Zealand. So their coffers aren't uh, going to be particularly flush when we get through this. So there may be a lot of um, uh, public-private partnerships or even just um, uh, opportunities that are put out to, uh, to in investors rather than um, Done by, done by government. Final one to come to is uh, the one that's always on every, every Kiwi's uh, lips, and that's um, property. Um, so how's property going to, to um, uh, fare? Well, the first one to look at, of course, is commercial property. And I, I love commercial property. I've always loved uh, commercial property. It's being hit very hard at the moment, um, particularly property companies uh, that have retail. 
um, in their in their portfolios, and possibly in the longer term, maybe those with uh, office buildings, particularly B and C grade or office buildings, rather than um, premium or A or A, A grade, um, may well get hit. I've I've been saying for a couple of years to avoid retail. I don't recall the number, but there were the numbers in, in thousands of shopping malls in the United States that have closed in the um, in the uh, in the last five years. So um, there will be certain types of property that will be very hard hit. The property that I've always liked most, I wrote a book on um, on property in 1996, and I talked about then is industrial property because it is uh, much uh, more simple. Um, it's you know an industrial property is largely four concrete walls and a tin roof, and um, not quite. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but um, it is uh, it is very straightforward. And that whole warehousing and log logistics thing is going to need to continue. Whether we we um, we use offices less as we work from home more, um, we're still going to need to store. Um, um, uh, goods and, and offices. So sort of a bit of a mixed bag for commercial property at the moment. I, it's hard to see right at the moment how that's going to play out, but um, even some very good uh, properties where you would have said that the tenant was secure, um, the tenant may be uh, coming and may have a legal case even, depending on their lease. Uh, may even have a legal case for a reduced rent, which will give short-term pain, um, if not long-term pain. The residential one, I find even harder to pick, and I'm sort of balancing everything that's happening on one hand, and then balancing against that, the Kiwi love for property. Um, I love property, I'm a property person from way back. I think it's a very good, uh, asset class to uh, to create wealth for people, and as long as you put enough time, effort, and energy into it, it's not a it's not a passive investment at, at all. As long as you put enough time, effort, and energy into it, it um, um, you know it, 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 it's been a very good way for people to get into a very strong position financially, if not actually become wealthy. I do think residential property on the whole is going to take a hit. Um, I'm not sure how how big that hit will, will be. I read something today which talked about between 10 and 30%, which is a big difference. Um, uh, and they settled on a number of 15%. The same people were talking about it taking a very sharp downward hit and then bouncing maybe as soon as um, as soon as uh, next year. But when the uh, residential property markets open, I think it's much more likely than not that a lot of property markets will take a big hit. Um, it's hard to be certain, but I, I suspect that like property has always been, this could be quite a regional affair. That is that some markets, perhaps like a, a Wellington, um, where government is going to get bigger, um, um, Wellington may not be affected too badly. Whereas, um, dare I say it, you know, Queenstown is probably on the uh, on the property side have a very hard time. Queenstown um, uh, probably still today in the official figures has the highest value property uh, in the country. Had the lowest wages, but uh, the highest value uh, property. 
and um, uh, it's uh, pretty much its only industry has been hit uh, so hard that it's hard to see its properties stand up. So I think overall um, uh, down for property, but um, um, uh, that the, the degree of that will be regional. When I was uh, trying to do this, I thought, you know, how do I how do I do this weighing thing? And I thought, well, the only way to do it is a pros and cons. That is, I draw a line down on a bit of paper, and the things that are for uh, residential property at the moment, driving them up, that are bullish um, for property at the moment, and then writing down the negative things, the ones that are bearish, that are going to decrease property. If you look at it on the um, on the positive sides for property, we will have very low interest rates. Um, secondly, we've got a, a love of property. We believe we have an understanding. I sometimes think that understanding of how property works isn't quite as good as um, uh, as we think it is, but um, we have a, a level of comfort with um, uh, with property. And thirdly, I heard on the um, uh, the news today that uh, Reserve Bank is looking at changing the LVR rates so that. Um, so the LVRs, so that um, you can uh, buy a property with a, a much lower deposit. On the negative side, sorry to say, it's a longer list. We've first of all got very low confidence and any market depends on, on confidence. Third, immigration is likely to be lower, certainly in the immediate term, uh, if not the um, longer term. Um, uh, and there's a very good correlation between the amount of people arriving here, immigrating here, uh, and property values. The other really good correlation is between the New Zealand economy, the strength of the New Zealand economy, and the amount that, um, uh, that property is going up. So, you know, we've got uh, lack of confidence, we've got um, uh, probably lower immigration, we've got the New Zealand economy in recession. Um, next one is we've just depleted savings. I, you know, I've spoken to people um, with their KiwiSaver accounts who are saving for their first property, um, and they were saving for their first property uh, in a growth fund or an aggressive fund, which uh, no professional would have advised them to do, um, but, um, um, you know, that's where they were. So they've, um, uh, they've got less in their KiwiSaver accounts than they, they used to, but also, you know, just, just generally people will have uh, depleted their savings. Got reduced rent, um, that uh, means a couple of things for property investors, it means that values have to go down to for a, a property investor to get the same yield, and it also means that for, say, a first home buyer who's renting at the moment, it means that they are possibly more comfortable sitting in that rental accommodation um, uh, with the, with lower rents. And the final one is possible, and it hasn't been talked about much, but possible tax changes. One of the things that will come out of um, of this is that we're going to need to restore the government's coffers, and that could mean um, um, higher taxes, and maybe uh, that translates into more taxes. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven negatives on um, uh, on property, and just three um, positives on property. And I think the pressure is on, on the downside, but it will be regional, it'll be worse in some places and, um, and better in others.
So that's me pretty much finished my presentation. I'm going to hand back to, uh, to Helen now, um, who no doubt will um, see if there's any questions or comments. Fantastic, Martin. Thank you so much. Um, so uh, lots, of, lots of questions um, for this afternoon. So you'll need a drink of water. <laughs> Perfect. Vodka. <laughs> okay, first question. Um, how do you think that our farming and food production ventures are going to fare locally and overseas? Um, food production is usually regarded as a uh, as a defensive uh, industry. So, I, you know, I think agriculture should come out of this um, quite well. We're going to be much more dependent on agriculture. It really takes me back to my youth when um, farmers kept saying, you know, farming is the backbone of the country, as indeed it was. It was where we... Um, it was where we got all of our foreign exchange. Now tourism has come up, and or had come up and surpassed um, uh, farming, but um, farming's uh, going to come come back again. It's not easy to play the farming um, investment idea uh, out of out of New Zealand. You've probably got to look further afield. Um, the funny thing is, if you know, there's a there's Sinlay and there's possibly one or two other companies uh, listed on New Zealand Stock Exchange that um, are um, farming based. A2 Milk, of course, is, um, uh, is, is an obvious one. Uh, and we've, you know, you, anybody who watches the share market will have watched the price of um, uh, that, that rise. Um, but you can go further afield, you can go to Kerry Group in, um, in Ireland and um, um, companies really all, all around the world. I'd, I'd be fairly positive um, about food production. Um, so, um, yeah, I could maybe for Friday's one, put that on the list of, um, of winners out, out of this. Great, thanks. And um, we've got a number of questions about uh, KiwiSaver. Where should people um, have their funds at the moment? I think KiwiSaver is one of those investments that you simply buy and hold. Now you make sure at the beginning that you're in the right fund, um, uh, you know, sorry, the right level of risk and, and then the right fund for that level of risk. That's not as easy to do as it is for me to say. Um, but that's the basic theory. And then you hold it through the cycles. I think you have to be very careful um, trying to play this. So I know a lot of people and the KiwiSaver providers and especially including Summer is the, the one that um, uh, I have a role with. Um, um, I know that a lot of people have switched and a lot of those switches were when we had extremely high volatility and share markets were dropping by as much as 10% uh, in, a, in a day. And people bailed out at that point. Some of them saying, "Well, we'll come back in when the market bottoms out." Well, if you if you follow the bears, the, the bulls logic, if you follow the optimists logic, um, a lot of people would now say that the market has already bottomed out, um, and so those people have sold into weakness. Um, and now they're going to buy back into strength, and that's doing the absolute opposite of what you're meant to do, which is buy, uh, buy and gloom, and sell and boom. 
Uh, so my answer to, to this is that you need to be well and properly invested when we have the recovery. And the only way to do that is to be um, in, invested in, in shares right through. So I think KiwiSaver is a buy and hold thing. Now, just as an aside to that, and I was going to bring it up later on. In fact, I may bring it up again later on. I have been thinking about um, next week's webinar, and I think that will probably be on KiwiSaver. And my reason for doing that is that KiwiSaver has uh, 3 million members now, and um, it's for every age. So I'd argue that children should be members of, of KiwiSaver, um, people in their middle years when they're, you know, in those that working time should be members of KiwiSaver, and a lot of retired people. Um, KiwiSaver provides a very good um, uh, means of, of selling. But it's critical that you're in a fund with the right risk. Uh, and I think for most people, they shouldn't play a game of trying to second guess the market, but should just hold it right through the, um, right through the cycle. Great, thank you. Um, you talked about uh, the uh, travel industry earlier. Uh, what about um, what are your thoughts on in the short term uh, if there is an opportunity between Australia and New Zealand and potentially the Pacific Islands? Do you, do you think that could be the saving grace? Yes, yes, it could be. The I think the Australians will be first back here. They probably won't be back here for the ski season. Um, uh, the ski season's going to be, it has, I don't think any of the major providers have decided yet whether um, we're going to have a, whether ski fields are going to even open. Uh, if they do open, it's probably only going to be for Kiwis or maybe even local people. I doubt it will be for Australians, but for the next uh, ski season, I think um, Australians hopefully will come back in force. Um, so they'll be the first one. Though, and. Um, um, and and maybe people from uh, Pacific as well. I'm not so um, I'm not not uh, quite as, uh, as as sure as that. It'll be people who are further distant who will have just got an awful fright from this COVID thing of the whole idea of going to the other side of the world and possibly getting trapped there by another outbreak of this virus or, dare I say it, uh, another virus or another bug or, or something else uh, else going wrong. I think we've been very blasé about travel and we've, um, certainly I have, and I've just jumped onto and jumped off planes and just expected them to, to fly uh, when they said they were going to fly and get to where we were going at the, at the right time and so forth. Um, I had planned a big trip uh, this year to um, uh, to Europe. I didn't book it, and friends kept saying, "Why haven't you booked it? Aren't you going to go and such like?" And they kept saying, "I don't know." I said, um, "I don't want to get stranded somewhere." As I started to see um, COVID um, um, rearing up, and I remember somebody saying to me, "Oh, look, you know, if you can't come back through Singapore, don't worry, just come back through the US." Um, um, and uh, and somebody else said, well, if you get stuck in Italy, you know, you just find a nice sweet village there with lots of red wine, you'll be fine. Um, um, I wouldn't have been. Uh, and I think I think people will be nervous about that long haul uh, stuff for a little while. We'll gradually get over it, over it. But um, 
uh, I think in the meantime, lo local Kiwis um, are traveling to our tourist spots uh, and they'll be lovely because they won't be crowded with people. Uh, and then um, and then Australians, I think that'll, that'll be the, uh, if there's any saving grace for a place like Princeton or Rotorua um, uh, or, the, uh, or the West Coast glaciers, uh, I think it'll be Kiwis first and then Australians. Great, thanks. Uh, right, um, so we're coming up to five minutes to five. So last couple of questions. Uh, first one is negative interest rates. Do you think mm -hmm. that we are going to see those here? I I doubt it, and I knew that question would come up today. Uh, today, and I was um, I don't know why I knew it, but I just did. And I was thinking about that, and I can't really, really tell you why. I think New Zealand's interest rates have always been higher than most of the rest of the world, and um, um, I, I think they'll probably remain higher. We're, we are a more risky country, and we've therefore got to provide a higher return for people to put our, our money uh, in. Um, the other thing to say about it is that I think lower and lower interest rates are losing their efficacy. That is, they're, they're, not, they're not making the difference that they used to. There's a little bit of low interest rate fatigue. That is, you know, you couldn't get me to borrow no matter what the interest rate was. I suppose if you paid me to borrow, maybe, um, um, as long as I could do something uh, sensible with the money. Um, uh, but you know, you, it it's, it's gets to a point where you can't entice people to borrow uh, by simply going lower. Now, you know, I heard of somebody with a a, um, a mortgage interest rate of about three percent um, the other day, and it took me back uh, to when I bought my first house. So I wasn't able to borrow via the state. Um, state Advances Corporation in those days um, uh, did a 3% uh, loan, um, but um, uh, it's, it's certainly very low. If I'm not going to borrow at 3%, am I, you know, am I going to borrow at 2 Probably not. At 1%, probably not. Um, uh, it does make it easier for those buying a house. It does make it easier for those who are borrowing to expand or, or run their business. Uh, and that and that's a good thing, but it, I don't think it necessarily encourages uh, spending when when you get to a certain level, or not to the same extent that it that it has done. So you did have your crystal ball out today. You knew that question was coming. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, final question for this afternoon. Bit of a, a different um, mood on this one. If you had cash to invest. Uh, would you recommend an actively managed fund via a fund manager or a passive fund in this environment? What a good question, because that was one of the things that I had had down here, and then I thought I'd, I'd just leave that alone. Um, I, 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 I'd go active. I'd go active, particularly um, if I was investing in New Zealand. Um, you know, active uh, managers in the uh, in the share market do do very well. It's a very New Zealand share market that is small, it's under-researched, uh, and therefore it provides opportunities for active managers to uh, to spot uh, inefficiencies and exploit them. Um, uh, but I think more generally, 
at the moment, I I would be on the active group. Had a, the 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 share markets around the world are splitting between companies you wouldn't want to touch with a barge pole. Um, you know, companies that own resorts, that own airlines, uh, and um, uh, hotels and things which are being hammered and will probably be hammered for some time. You know, I, I wouldn't want those at any at any money. Um, uh, so, but if you if you uh, invest passively, if they're in the index, then the, the you know the uh, Exxon Mobil is, um, uh, for example, an oil company. You know, it's in if it's in the index, it's it's in the index tracking fund. It's in the passive fund. Um, on the other hand, um, on the other side of it, active managers are not only able to avoid bad companies, they're able to go for what they see as good companies, you know, and companies in uh, automation and, and technology and healthcare and, and that sort of thing. So I'd be, I, I always uh, am on this, pretty much always been on the side of um, active management, but I'm very much, uh, on the active side of management at a time like this. That's great. Thank you so much. Okay, so uh, that's our session for today. Time flies. Uh, final words, Martin, before we sign off today. Oh, uh, uh, just um, I, uh, you know, appreciate if you um, if you did have a, a topic for a webinar that you were burning for me to try and cover. Um, uh, if you um, emailed um, uh, Helen and, and let her know, then uh, I'd consider that. I think I will talk about um, KiwiSaver um, um, next week um, uh, on the basis that uh, so many people are in it, in it already. And it's $70 billion of our money that's invested there. Um, balances are starting to get higher. That is, people are starting to have more money in their accounts. And it's therefore starting to get a very, um, uh, quite an important part of uh, a household's um, uh, finances. Also, um, this is the first, since KiwiSaver started in 2007, this is really the first major market crash that we've had in that time. Now, 2008 we did, but nobody had any money in their KiwiSaver accounts, so nobody cared then. Now the balances are getting up higher. Uh, and I think a lot of people have handled their KiwiSaver accounts badly um, in the lead up to this, uh, so before it started, but then they've taken action during the worst of the volatility or what's been the worst of the volatility to date. Um, and I think that's largely for a lot of people been a mistake. So I'll cover KiwiSaver next time. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this content, I appreciate if you leave your honest review on any podcast app. It helps me to improve my next episode or you can simply request any topic for me to research. Do you know any friend that may benefit from this information? Please forward this podcast to them. Otherwise, stay tuned because more good stuff coming soon. Thank you.